0: Pro-abortion artists launch an emergency exhibit in New York City entitled Abortion is Normal, but never show how normal abortion is. Then a woman brags about her twin abortion procedure on Reddit, dedicating her murdered children, whom she calls birth-dribbling horror goblins to the anti-choice movement. Lastly, the media drool over a study which purports to show that few women regret their abortion. We will examine the bigotry of the pro-abortion movement and the consequences of postmodernism. I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. Welcome to Unaborted with Seth Gruber. Thanks for tuning in today. Wow, it is episode 30 now. This is exciting. Thank you for all of those of you who have been following Unaborted since the beginning. Hey, recently I've got some abortion crazies who have been trolling my podcast, leaving me one stars and writing up lies about how I yell at women and I shame women. And so if you wanna help out this show and help us reach more people, climb the rating reviews charts on iTunes and other podcast platforms, go ahead and give us 5 stars let us know what you think, leave some positive reviews, and that really helps us here at Unaborted. So abortion is normal. That is the name of an art display in New York happening this month. And according to Calvin Freeberger over at LifeSite News on January 16th, the new art exhibit in the Big Apple purports to combat abortion stigma and raise money for the nation's top abortion chain with the title and message, Abortion is Normal. Organized by the group Downtown for Democracy and running for the rest of January, the self-described emergency exhibit bills itself as an urgent call to action exhibition to raise both awareness and funding in support of accessible, safe and legal abortion with a with, quote, a Heterogeneous array of artists countering with their personal response to abortion and abortion access in order to create an inclusive and empathetic entry point to this conversation. (laughs) Of course, there's no including of unborn children or empathy towards the lives that these women in 99.5% of cases uh, voluntarily created by consenting to sex. But of course, this is the messaging. This is the propaganda. This is the euphemistic doublespeak of the pro-abortion movement. So these abortion crazies are having this art display in New York at a very timely moment, the election year. They're all freaking out that... This might be the year where Roe versus Wade is overturned or encounters a significant challenge, and their deepest fear being, of course, the re-election of Donald Trump. So Calvin at LifeSite News continues, he says, The Tiller message, quote, intended as a statement of camaraderie and caring, that in short says... What you choose to do with your body is okay and a basic human right. Proceeds from the event will go to Planned Parenthood's 2020 campaign spending as well as voter education and advocacy efforts. Planned Parenthood recently came out saying and promising that they're going to spend a full $45 million dollars. On pro-abortion candidates in 2020 to ensure that a Democrat replaces Donald Trump at the end of the year, which of course raises the question sort of unrelated to this. Why in the world are they still getting our tax funding? They're a non-profit. And they're just publicly telling the country they're going to spend $45 million on political campaigns on one side of the aisle in order to protect abortion. How is that okay as a nonprofit? Certainly shouldn't be receiving half a billion dollars of our tax dollars. So... Calvin Freeberg at LifeSite News continues here and describing the art display says that there are nude photographs and paintings, figures bearing thank God for abortion shirts, paintings of Supreme Court Justice Ruth Bader Ginsburg, right, who's the greatest enemy of unborn children on the Supreme Court of the United States and literally voted against a bill to uphold the ban against partial birth abortions. She wanted to reverse the ban on partial birth abortions, enabling you to deliver a baby's feet, calves, and butt, and then stick a needle into the back of their skull and suck their brains out. She wanted to re-legalize that procedure. And very simple displays of rudimentary written slogans and buzzwords like choice and, Dear Judge Kavanaugh, if you don't like abortions, don't get one. <laughs> so, I mean, this, is, I mean, so, just some of the some of the most... Moral degenerates on the country. Very lost human beings, of course, by the way, in deep need of purpose and direction and ultimately salvation. But they're all getting together to praise abortion with really disgusting, apparently art. Pieces And so the Instagram account Poplitics, uh, which is a a show associated with Turning Point USA, uh, released a little video showing some pieces of the art display and interviewing one of the main artists who helped launch this Abortion is Normal art display. So let's go ahead and play this brief video clip. It doesn't have any sound, but we'll show you a little bit about what this looks like. So it says the Abortion is Normal art exhibition wants to spark conversations about women's reproductive rights in the U.S. And Jasmine Wahi says, aside from, I guess, the obvious, which is we're continuing to fight and ensure that our reproductive rights are maintained, and there's an abortion equals normal. It's important because we're trying to make a statement that reproductive rights are not just a woman's or cis woman's issue, but an issue that affects everyone. The exhibition shows works from artists like Cindy Sherman, Amiya Marie Okamoto, and Lori Simmons. All these praiseworthy pieces of Ruth Bader Ginsburg. We're at a time where a lot of progress has been made until progress stops at a point where... Everyone actually has equal reproductive rights and the ability to choose whatever they would like to do with their own body. We need to continue to fight and make a splash. And they're just showing all of these horrific pieces of art praising abortion. So Jasmine Wahi at the end there says until everyone actually has equal reproductive rights and the ability to choose whatever they would like to do with their own body. We're going to continue fighting for these rights. So I have a few questions for you, Jasmine (laughs) Wahi. Wouldn't reproductive rights cease after reproduction? How can can you have reproductive rights if there is no – if you're not actually exercising reproductive rights? You're not exercising a reproductive right if there's already been reproduction. It's no longer practicing the right to reproduce. That already happened. You're now pregnant. Once a human being has been reproduced, how can it still be reproductive rights to kill the newly reproduced human being? I mean, of course, you know this, right? This is the conflation of terms that pro-aborts have to use in order to further their ideology they have to conflate reproductive rights with the actual dismemberment of a human baby in order to create the euphemism and message that abortion is just reproductive health care and not the slaughter an innocent human being here's another question for jasmine wahee the again one of the lead artists and organizers of the abortion is normal display does protecting everyone's reproductive rights include unborn women Unborn women will have a reproductive system in utero, already in place, already developed. Of course, it's not active. It's not active in infants or young girls, but it's already there. Are you committed to protecting everyone's, every female woman's reproductive rights or just born women? Obviously, this is the type of bigotry that intentionally excludes a class of the human species Because they're an inconvenience to you from the type of lifestyle you want to live. Here's another question for Jasmine Wahi: Does protecting everyone's ability to choose whatever they would like to do with their own body, she says, include the unborn child's body? How is it that it is just for your bodily autonomy to compromise someone's else bodily autonomy? Is it my bodily autonomy if I choose to swing my fist at your face No, nobody has the right to that type of bodily autonomy. Not when it compromises or harms someone else's bodily autonomy. Of course, without proper justification. Of course, if you're attacking my family, you know, I'm gonna hurt you, and that's perfectly justified. But of course, there is no proper justification to utilize your bodily autonomy to intentionally harm an innocent human being that does not pose a threat to you and an action which is not justifiable. These are all bigots towards unborn children. This is fetal bigotry coming from the quote unquote artists. I mean, some of these pieces, right? Or you can't even call art towards unborn children. Because what's a bigot? A bigot is someone who discriminates towards or is intolerant towards others simply for being different. Simply for being different. Different how? Well, that's the whole point, right? It's subjective. Because a power class can always create a subjective standard of criteria that they then assume is necessary for human value. Of course, without explaining why those capacities or functions or criteria are value giving in the first place, they just assume it, right? That's bigotry to just other an entire class of human beings for being different than you. And then, and then, use that difference to justify their mistreatment, their slaughter, their discrimination. That's a bigot. Well, that's what they're doing towards unborn children. The language of this art display is bigoted language because it excludes and others the unborn for being different. For being what? Unborn. That's how the unborn is different from us. For finding themselves in the very same location that each of these artists began. A womb. Right. That's why the name of this show is unaborted. We all came from wombs, but we were unaborted. Our mothers made the right choice. That's the Reagan phrase. I've noticed everyone who's for abortion has already been born. There's a deep irony to those who promulgate abortion because they're promulgating the slaughter of a class of human beings that were, that are just like you once were unborn human beings. So live action news on January 13th reports a quote here from Jasmine Wahey, one of the lead artists, of course, who we just discussed. And she explains that the motivation behind the exhibit is a reaction to the restrictions being placed on abortion in various U.S. states. Jasmine Wahey told Art News, quote, our sentiment is, is that abortion is part of health and reproductive justice, right? This is the Julian Castro, the recently uh, failed and dropped out presidential candidate who called abortion reproductive justice at one of the Democratic presidential candidates. So she says it's part of reproductive justice. And anything having to do with reproductive justice has to do with body autonomy and body sovereignty. Therefore, any type of medical procedure, anything that affects one's body, that is their choice to do should be normal. So abortion is normal. Abortion is reproductive justice. Abortion is bodily autonomy, despite the fact that you are literally destroying and compromising an unborn child's bodily autonomy. And this gets to a very important philosophical observation in the abortion debate. Pro-aborts call abortion normal, and they have to in order to, to garner up sympathetic supporters for their cause, don't they? Because when you describe abortion for what it really is, the intentional painful dismemberment of an unborn human child, if you call it genocide, if you call it bigotry and discrimination, more people will see that that's true, that that's what abortion really is, and you won't get the kind of support that you need. So is, abortion may be common, but it's not normal. And that's, I think, an important observation that we have to we have to point out here there is nothing normal about killing your child now it may be common to kill your child through abortion it certainly is common there's roughly a million abortions a year in the United States of America but that doesn't mean that it's normal there's nothing normal about that normal assumes the the correct way to live right normal assumes some type of moral compass. It's not normal to own slaves. It's not normal to beat your wife. It's not normal to sexualize children or force them into the sex industry. <clears throat> all of, all of those things may be common, but they're not normal. It is not normal to kill an innocent human being and certainly not without proper justification. Abortion is certainly common, but it's not Normal Because it goes against the most fundamental human values, which is to care for the vulnerable, which is to care for your own biological family members that you helped create. But if abortion is so normal as these abortion crazies in this art display in New York claim, then show us. If if the thing that is normal is abortion, then show us abortion. It's ironic, isn't it? The very thing they are attempting to normalize is the very thing they refuse to show us. What's the point of that? If you were trying to normalize anything else, wouldn't you show the very thing in question in order to create an empathetic and uh, sympathetic and safe conversation, as they say? So thinking analogously here, imagine that Appendectomies were extremely controversial, and half the nation was insisting on the moral worth of appendixes. Wouldn't the, the pro-appendectomy pro-appendect, uh, movement just show appendixes to, and provide evidence that human appendixes are not individual persons in order to <clears throat> normalize appendectomies? So if you insist that abortion is normal, then show us abortion. And provide evidence that the unborn is not an individual person. See, in the analogy, it's very easy to prove that an appendix is not an individual human person, right? It's part of you, but it's not a whole human being. It's parts of wholes. And secondly, no one looks at an appendix and sees humanity, but everyone looks at an unborn child and sees humanity. It's self-evident. Reality typically is self-evident. And so isn't it ironic? Isn't it funny? Isn't it telling that even those who put on displays called abortion is normal with the strategy and goal of normalizing abortion, removing stigma, and therefore, what? Encouraging more people to get abortions won't even show the thing they are trying to normalize. If you're watching this show, which I encourage you to do if you only listen, we're going to show you right here three different images of what abortion does to unborn children. Look, this is not reproductive health care. We see this and we see humanity. We see children. We see humans. And of course, these earlier images, of course, represent unborn children at a stage of development in which the majority of abortions are performed. Most women won't get an abortion until the fifth week. The sixth, seventh, and eighth being very common, being right within the time frame where the majority of abortions are performed, that doesn't look like an appendix. It doesn't look like a pound of flesh, does it? That looks like an individual human being. And yet if the abortion is normal, abortion crazy artists were to show that type of imagery in this display or clay that was arranged and painted on to realistically depict dead children, it certainly wouldn't be getting the same traction, would it? It certainly wouldn't be getting such praiseworthy coverage from leftist tabloids and publications because that reality is too much. It's too ghoulish and it's too offensive because abortion is ghoulish ghoulish and offensive. So, We need to take note of this because this is a blatant bravado and admission of what the left and the pro-choice movement think about unborn children. They don't think of them as one of us. And they are putting their bigotry on display by referring to unborn children as something other than they are. Taking a note, a page out of the strategies of racists, the majority of which were in the Democratic Party, who used the same type of bigotry and language to other African-Americans by referring to them as something other than whole human person. So next, we're going to talk about a woman bragging about her twin abortion procedure online on Reddit. And what that means for us and what that means for the culture. But first, if you like this show and want to hear more great content and commentary from the front lines of the pro-life movement and the abortion debate, then head on over to patreon.com slash unaborted and become a patron of the show. This is what helps us create more content, better content on a more regular basis to provide a community of like-minded, unaborted human beings who are advocates for life and committed to being defenders of life. In a very important year, by the way, next week is the March for Life, or this week, rather in D.C., 47 years of legalized abortion, the consequences of which are over 60 million slaughtered, unborn human beings. The time is now. We can no longer sit back and stay silent and do nothing. Because the sad reality, as Greg Cunningham observes, is that there are more people working full-time to kill babies than there are working full-time to save them. Whether you're called to full-time work or not, we're all called to speak up and not be silent. And this show helps equip you to do that better. So we'll be right back with a lot more in just a second. Until then, I'm Seth Gruber and this is Unaborted. (laughs) Unaborted Welcome back to Unaborted with Seth Gruber. So more of this blatant bigotry from the pro-abortion movement in their, frankly, honest admissions on how they view unborn children. This is dark. This is really, really sad and telling about where the culture is going. This shows how lost so many men and women are in the pro-abortion movement. And the consequences of the bad ideas that they have ingested wholesale without ever questioning otherwise. And so on January 1st, a woman posted a rather long tirade on her decision to kill her unborn twins on the garbage heap of a website, Reddit, which most of you are familiar with. And she posted that in a group entitled Child Free. That's literally what the group is called, Child Free. Here's a description of this, this group on Reddit. Discussion and links of interest to child free individuals. Child free refers to those who do not have and do not ever want children, whether biological, adopted, or otherwise. And there are lots of groups like these on the Internet. These are really some of the darkest areas of the Internet. These are, these are places where people will say things that they would probably never say to any of their friends or family members face to face unless those individuals are also part of, of a group like this. These people are actual child haters. I'm not joking. This is not just like a group of people who have just opted out from reproduction, who just, you know, personally in their own life prefer not to have children, but otherwise they have no problem with children. They've just decided not to have children. That, that's not what these kind of human beings are. These are actual child haters. <clears throat> the, the, there are comments on this thread that are just outright attacking the unborn, calling them parasites. A common phrase in this thread was, delete us the fetus, delete the fetus. And they call unborn children crotch goblins. Think about that for a second. Crotch goblins. Like it's just some other type of villainous creature dwelling between your crotch rather than the human being that again, in the vast majority in the supermajority of instances, you actually willfully created by engaging in a consensual act of sex. They actually hate children. Why else would you join an online group called Child Free, which laments the reality of uteruses, complains about crying babies, and celebrates when one gets a vasectomy? That's all the types of content on in this group. So these people actually hate children, but born... And unborn. So this woman takes to Reddit in this group, Child Free, that she's obviously a member of. And this is what she says. I am on my way to Planned Parenthood to purge the two parasites that somehow implanted into my uterus despite me being on the pill. I can't effing wait to stop being nauseous and throwing up and being unable to keep my water down. I can't wait to be rid of this hyperemesis. That destroyed my Christmas and ruined my New Year's Eve and is ruining my life. Of course, saying that she's nauseous because of being pregnant. I can't effing wait to be done with the anxiety of knowing that these things are in my uterus and knowing that I will not have to birth dribbling horror goblins will not have disgusting, leaking breasts, will not go home from the hospital in a nappy and with a stitched-up vagina, I will not have postpartum depression or be left disfigured with stretch marks, my relationship with my significant other will not be ruined. I am dedicating this double fetus purge to the anti-choice movement because no matter how hard you try, you will not force us to be your handmaids. Happy 2020. That's what this woman says. According to her, as she's on her way to do it, as she's on her way to Planned Parenthood, think of what callousness, think of what, what hardness of heart it requires to talk like this about your unborn offspring compared to the rather soft bigotry of the abortion is normal art display which refuses to speak of the unborn in such explicit terms. This woman displays the hard bigotry of the pro-choice movement in no uncertain terms. This woman gives words to the bigotry of the entire pro-abortion movement, many of whom are unwilling to speak so honestly about how they view the unborn. But make no mistake, pro-abortion activists, leaders, and advocates – would not take issue with anything she said here. In fact, many of those pro-abortion advocates were the ones responding on the thread, praising her choices, referring to the children she was about to kill as crotch goblins and parasites and saying that, I'm drinking with you tonight, celebrating your abortions. Make no mistake, the pro-abortion movement believes The same thing about unborn children that this poor lost woman is saying about her twin children that she paid an abortionist to painfully dismember. Whether the abortion industry and the pro-abortion movement admit to hating unborn children or not, what is more hateful than dismembering a human baby simply because they got in the way of your idealized lifestyle? Again, most abortion advocates— including those in the abortion is normal art display, would not speak so honestly about how they view unborn children. Maybe they would even say, some of them, that they they don't believe that unborn children are parasites, but they certainly treat them like they are. <laughs> how you describe your views about the unborn children that you advocate killing has very little to do with the reality, because the reality is that you will still seek out the death of those children. What is more hateful than that? But I do think that most pro-abortion advocates would have no problem and would not critique her at all for what she said and would laud and celebrate and applaud her decision to do so, many of whom did in the comment thread. Here's the thing. Bigotry has always utilized the language of dehumanization against those they hate. This is not new. Bigots and bigotry always uses hateful language, dehumanizing language, in order to other those that they hate, to dehumanize those that they hate. Now, the pro-choicer, right, who probably isn't listening to this program, but hopefully is, is going to take deep issue with me or with you, beginning to make comparisons and analogies from abortion to the slavery or the Holocaust. But again, if the unborn child is a human being, then it's just as wrong to dehumanize them through bigotry language as it would be to do so with any other class of human beings. So how has bigotry utilized the language of dehumanization historically? Well, on slavery in our own country, black slaves were often assigned very dehumanizing names. You know this if you've studied American history. They were given names such as Mingo or Savage or Gollywog or Jezebel and many others that you're familiar with. And through images by racist propaganda machines were portrayed as subhuman. You know this as well. You've seen some of the racist imagery of our African-American brothers and sisters that were routinely dehumanized through language and through imagery by racists, the majority of whom were in the Democratic Party, today's political bigotry party that dehumanizes another class of human beings. And then in the Holocaust, cartoons were routinely used depicting Jews as dogs, pigs, and rats and other vermin. And Nazis and their propaganda machine would use words like parasites and bacillus or bacteria to describe those that they exterminated in order to create emotional distance from the victims that you were literally responsible for slaughtering or giving euphemistic showers to. And East Europeans were considered Untermensch, which literally means subhuman and was the title of Heinrich Himmler's Nazi propaganda book that was used to inculcate the German society with a bigotry-focused worldview on Jews to, to insinuate and suggest... That they were subhuman, that they weren't really persons, that they were responsible for the ills of German society and should be slaughtered. Just as pro-aborts view unborn children as responsible for the potential ills in their life that will follow if they choose to carry that child to term and give them birth. Bigotry has always utilized this type of language to dehumanize those that they hate. And this woman is not sparing any punches she's being totally honest with how she views her unborn children and it speaks to a darker part of the pro-abortion movement's soul that they believe the same now this sobering and sad reality is actually that this woman is miserable right this woman is not a happy woman she's not joyfully exercising her right to choose how do we know this Her entire sense of self-worth is based on her image, on her body, and her romantic relationship. Right? She talks about the horror of stretch marks, the horror of having her vagina stitched up, the horror of being nauseous while pregnant. And she said, I will not let my relationship with my significant other be ruined. Her entire sense of self-worth is built around these subjective things Her body, her image, her romantic relationship, which are all futile and empty vessels that cannot hold the weight of a human soul and will shatter every time you attempt to make it do so. Your sense of self-worth built around your body image will shatter when you try to put your worth in that. She believes her relationship with her significant other will be ruined if she keeps their baby. What does that mean? It means she believes or knows that her boyfriend— will only love her and stay with her insofar as she can provide him with sex without responsibility. That's what that means. She is so fearful. She's saying, if I keep these children, which we consensually created, then my romantic relationship with him will be ruined. Then he's a tool. He's a douchebag. He's a moral degenerate who only wants sex with you free of responsibility. And anything that would make him sack up And be selfless and love you and choose to father the children that he consensually created with you that are residing in your body that is naturally oriented towards reproduction when you engage in sex. If he's not willing to do that, then he's a loser and you deserve more. But this woman has put an entire sense of self-worth in these futile and fleeting things. And this is the story of human history. Every time we do this in whatever fleeting temporal things that we try to fit Our soul, they will always let us down, they will always crumble and crush, and we will be left destroyed because we put our entire identity in temporal, fleeting things. This woman's misery, unfortunately, is actually representative of the majority of women in the pro-abortion movement and the procurers of abortion, post-abortive women. But the pro-life movement has a better message for these women than the child haters on Reddit, don't we? The pro-life movement's message is that you are not suffering from a parasite. You are experiencing the sometimes uncomfortable growth of what can and should be the biggest blessing in your life. A baby. Our message is that if your boyfriend would leave you for choosing to keep the baby you both created, then he is a selfish degenerate who doesn't love you. Our message is that you are not alone and the pro-life movement is here for you to help you choose life and support you. Our message is that there are thousands of us who will adopt your baby, but embracing the child that you created and that your body was designed to create will not destroy your life, but drastically improve it. If you choose selflessness, if you choose to embrace the body in your body that is not your body, and that is literally half of your DNA that you were created to love and protect, that's a better message. That's a more hopeful message than you need to kill your children to maintain the love of your boyfriend. This is a hopeless worldview. This is a hopeless message, and it is creating miserable human beings whose souls cannot handle their identity being placed in something that is fleeting and temporal. But unfortunately, this is the beliefs of the pro-abortion movement. This is the, the bold-faced and honest bigotry of what they believe about unborn children. And until that becomes apparent to more Americans, then we will continue to have abortion on demand. Until you, the church, the people of faith who believe that all human beings have intrinsic value, rise up and oppose these ideological opponents for their commitment to slaughtering unborn children, then we will continue to have Abortion. So that leads me into an exciting announcement I have for you. I've teamed up with my new friend Sarah Vienna for a pro-life church tour. Sarah is an international speaker and singer and who works in Romania and the States defending the cause of the needy from unborn to elderly. And so we're teaming up for this. I'm alive church tour, which is named after Sarah's song. I'm alive a message from an image bearer of God in her mother's womb to her mother. I'm alive tour captures both the beauty and truth of the pro-life position. Speaking to both the heart and to the head. This tour will win the hearts of your church for life while equipping them to defend life. Based on biblical truths, I'm alive can help your church create a culture of life that fights for our unborn neighbors and their mothers and fathers. Happening summer 2020, this tour will fill up fast. So if you want to bring I'm Alive Tour to your church, email us at I'm at gmail.com. That's I'm Alive Tour at gmail.com for questions and bookings. We'll be right back with a whole lot more. Welcome back to Unaborted with Seth Gruber. So we've examined this soft and hard bigotry of the pro-abortion movement, um, evidenced right in this abortion is normal art display and in this tragic story of a woman who celebrates the abortion of her unborn twins because they're parasites and crotch goblins, showing that this is what the abortion movement believes and this is the bigotry that they use to dehumanize unborn children. Well, part of what makes that bigotry and that that shameless bigotry of how the pro-abortion movement views unborn children is a deeper type of worldview that allows these morally degenerate arguments to function in the first place. And that worldview is called relativism or subjectivism, which is the bastard child of postmodernism, if you will. And so I want to examine this ultimate postmodern study from the abortion left that apparently purports to show that very few women regret their abortion. Hardly any women regret their abortion. So what's the big deal? Clearly, their subjective feelings about their abortion must mean that abortion is okay, right? And so all you stupid pro-life state legislators passing pro-life legislation suggest so support abortion because you should support the subjective lived experience of individual women. This study is the ultimate postmodern study. So Published in the Social Science and Medicine Journal, the study is called Emotions and Decision Rightness <laughs> Over Five Years Following an Abortion. An Examination of Decision Difficulty and Abortion Stigma. Look at that. Emotions and Decision Rightness linking the rightness of your decision to your emotions. <laughs> it's the ultimate postmodern study. An ideal me-me-me study for a postmodern world. In a culture that insists that The only thing that matters is your personal lived experience. We shouldn't be surprised that pro-aborts would release a study researching how women feel about their role in the death of their children. And so Michael J. New at National Review on January 15th published a short analysis of this study called A Flawed Study Claims That Few Women Regret Abortion, And here's part of what he had to say. He said, The newest study based on that data has received a great deal of sympathetic coverage from a number of media outlets, including The Washington Post, The Hill, The Guardian, and CNN. But most of the coverage has paid little or no attention to the limitations of the research. For one thing, the turnaway study is conducted by the group Advancing New Standards in Reproductive Health. At the University of California, San Francisco, the greatest academic enemy to unborn children in America, which typically procures research with a pro-abortion bias. So let's do a quick reminder here, okay? In my episode, Ideology Trumps Reality, we talked about a man who is the director of Advancing New Standards in Reproductive Health, and his name is Dr. Daniel Grossman. Dr. Daniel Grossman is an abortionist, and the senior advisor of IBIS Reproductive Health, an organization which receives funding directly from abortion pill manufacturer Denko Laboratories, the abortion pill, right, leading to the death of more and more unborn children because it's cheaper to produce and easier and cheaper to um, to ship to women and to. Uh, send around the country rather than a surgical abortion. He is on the board of NARAL Pro-Choice America and is a liaison member of Planned Parenthood Federation of America's National Medical Committee. He is an abortion instructor at the University of California, San Francisco, where he trains students to become future abortionists. And he's been leading the push for these so-called self-managed abortions, right? Telemedicine abortions using the abortion pill. And he was the quote-unquote independent fact checker that Facebook relied upon in order to censor live action and Lila Rose's claim in video that abortion is never medically necessary, despite the fact that we have a signed form and petition online by over a thousand neonatologists, obgyns, doctors, medical students, etc., all agreeing and claiming that abortion is never medically necessary because you don't have to intentionally kill the child in order to save the mother's life if the mother is in danger, you can deliver the child early through a C-section, or through inducing early labor. Though that might lead to the unintended death of the child, it's not an abortion which intends the death of the child. Facebook used Dr. Daniel Grossman, the Director of Advancing New Standards in Reproductive Health, and an abortionist who makes money off of the killing of children in order to censor the video and claim that abortion is never medically necessary. You want to talk about collusion? (laughs) And this is the same organization that... Helped conduct the group study claiming that very few women regret their abortion. (laughs) So these people are all in bed with each other. They have a financial incentive to push out this type of messaging, this type of propaganda, right? This type of claim. That women don't regret their abortion. So what's the big deal? Stop trying to attack women. So you just need to know that that's the background of this organization. Okay. University of California, San Francisco is the greatest academic enemy to unborn children. They perform research on born alive children. Um, they And they train future abortionists. So Dr. Michael J. New continues here. He says, from 2008 to 2010, Turnaway Project researchers sought participants at more than 30 abortion facilities located in 21 U.S. states and found 667 women who obtained abortions to participate. However, less than 38% of the women they asked actually agreed to take part in the study. Less than 38%. It seems likely that the women who made themselves available for the study might have had either a higher level of decisional certainty in their abortion or fewer moral qualms about obtaining an abortion skewing the results. Yeah, of course. If you asked X number of women, 667, and 38% declined to, then those were probably women who didn't want to answer that question. They probably have pain and regret from their abortion. So you're left with the women who are more than happy. To answer the question, do you regret their abortion? So that could clearly skew the results a little bit. But this entire study is a product of postmodernism and disproportionate focus on the individual's lived experience as the only thing that really matters. What is postmodernism? Postmodernism was a modern movement in the 20th century that rejected the idea of macro narratives. Of objective reality. What's a macro narrative? A macro narrative is something that makes sense of objective reality in a, 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 a message, a worldview, an idea, an ideology that makes sense of the world you live in and truth and your experience. Relativism or rather postmodernism rejects the idea of any type of objective reality that is true for all people, right? At all times and in all places. Their emphasis is that all that matters is the meta narrative your narrative, how you feel, your personal lived experience, that's what that's what is objective reality and that's all that matters. That's what postmodernism says. And so relativism or subjectivism is the bastard child of postmodernism. The idea that that everything is merely personal and subjective to you and and there is no such thing as objective reality. It's just your truth that matters, my truth. <laughs> So do pro-aborts really believe that the meta-narrative is all that matters, right? Here, here, here's the irony of postmodernism and relativism. Do the people doing the study really believe that all that matters in life is the meta-narrative and lived experience? For example, if a longitudinal and representative study was published reporting that the majority of women do regret their abortion, would pro-aborts shift their position based on the lived experience of uh, of these women? Oh, well, the majority of women regret abortion. Re- that's their reality. Therefore, it is true. So now I'm pro-life because I don't want women to regret their abortion. Of course not. We all know that pro-aborts believe they are objectively right when they defend a mother's Apparently moral right to kill her unborn child. And they think we are objectively wrong. They don't actually actually believe that the meta-narrative is all that matters, at least not when your meta-narrative contradicts their meta-narrative. Postmodernism or the belief in subjectivism ultimately self-destructs because if the meta-narrative is reality, but my individual meta-narrative contradicts yours, then whose is right? It's like Lecrae said, what if my truth says your truth is a lie? Is it still true? <laughs> there, it, ultimately, these ideas are self-contradicting and self-implode because if they contradict one another, then they can't both be right by by virtue of the law of non-contradiction, which says two opposing ideas cannot both be true at the same time and in the same way. So if all the pro-life and post-abortive women in the pro-life movement respond to this study by saying, that's wrong because I do regret my abortion deeply so, then which reality wins out? This partisan hackery of a pro-abortion study or the lived experience of pro-life post-abortive women? So this is why the no regrets case for abortion is misplaced and irrelevant, because it places ultimate reality in the hands of individuals whose experiences are almost always different from someone else's, in which case there would be no truth Or there is objective truth and someone is wrong. So they actually tell us one of the reasons for this study. In the study, according to the authors, they say claims that abortion is inherently stressful and causes emergent negative emotions and regret undergird state level laws regulating abortion in the United States. So what are they saying? They're saying one of the reasons for these these pro-life laws emerging from pro-life states all around the country is based on the claim that abortion causes negative emotions and effects in women and that they regret them. So what are they kind of saying? What they're kind of saying is we're going to try to disprove the notion or assumption that women regret their abortions and it has a negative emotional effect on them. Because if we can do that, then maybe we can destroy the foundation, the ideological foundation, that these Pro-life laws are built on and therefore garner up more support for abortion ideology and the pro-choice position in the pro-choice movement, which is in dire straits and is a wounded animal going into one of the most important election years for unborn children. Do you see what's really going on here? Why they have a vested interest in attacking the idea that women regret their abortions? But the message of the pro-life movement is not that abortion is wrong because it negatively impacts women and leads to abortion regret. That's not what pro-lifers are saying. And if you know pro-lifers who are saying that, please compassionately call them out on that. That that is not why abortion is wrong. And I'll tell you what you can tell them right now. Our message is that abortion is wrong because it kills a living human being with equal rights. A human being who differs from you in the same ways that we differ from one another. Namely, according to size, level of development, location, and dependency. It's still a human being on a continuum of human development that began at the moment of conception, a continuum of development that we as born people are just a little bit further down. But it's wrong. It's just as wrong to kill unborn children for being earlier on that continuum of development as it would be for a grandpa to kill his grandson because their grandson is earlier on the continuum of development. Human life begins at the moment of conception, and we all find ourselves on a different tick point on that continuum of human development. That's our message, that that's a living human being and abortion intentionally kills a human being without proper justification. We're not saying it's wrong because you might regret it. Your emotional state has nothing to do with the moral question of abortion. How women feel about their abortion is as irrelevant to the moral question of abortion As were the feelings of slave owners to the moral question of slavery. I didn't see any postmodern. I guess postmodernism wasn't quite a thing yet, but I didn't see any uh, relativistic studies focused on the emotions of slaveholders to combat the abolitionist claim that slavery was wrong. Oh, well, maybe if we can just convince the American society that slave owners don't regret whipping the backs of blacks and using them as free labor to build their cotton economies, then maybe we can garner up larger support for the racist agenda that walks over the backs of blacks in order to make a pretty penny. Of course, that wasn't a claim. What what a ludicrous assumption. At least those racist bigots understood that... Your emotional state, your subjective lived experience, how you feel about abortion or, ab- or about slavery has nothing to do with the moral question in and of itself. But this is what they're, be- they're pushing on abortion through this study. Your feelings about your abortion can be negative or positive. Of course, there's women who say hashtag shout your abortion, right? There's a whole movement on that right now. Shameless bravado. I don't care. I don't regret it at all. Of course, some of the women, sadly, at the March for Life in D.C. this week will be holding up signs that say, I don't regret my abortion. And others will be holding up signs that say, I regret my abortion. So who's right? But the whole claim is specious because it has nothing to do with the moral question at the heart of the debate. Either way, you still arrange the death of an innocent human being, regardless of how you feel about what you did. Your psychological and emotional state has nothing to do with the objective moral worth of your unborn child. So pro-aborts, while celebrating postmodernism and subjectivism and relativism, don't really believe in it. They don't really at all. They're just using it as an ideological strategy to garner up support for their abortion ideology. If the meta narrative is all that matters and one's personal lived experience, my feelings, is objective reality, then how can pro aborts criticize pro lifers for being wrong in their attempts to make abortion illegal? Hey, man, I'm a pro lifer and I'm just being true to my reality. I'm just living out my personal lived experience. My meta-narrative is reality. It is objective reality. So you pro-choicer, can't criticize me for living according to my subjective sense of reality. <laughs> See, once they clash, then who's right? If pro-choicers really believe that the meta-narrative is all that matters, and that is a reality, they couldn't even critique us consistently, for living according to our personal lived experience, that unborn children have moral worth and shouldn't be unjustly killed. When a pro-lifer's truth and individual reality clashes with a pro-abort's truth, the pro-abort will immediately accuse you of being wrong (laughs) and in so doing tacitly admit that there is such a thing as an objective uh, macro-narrative reality, namely theirs. And you as the pro-lifer are wrong. So the question is not the emotional state of women who have gotten abortions. The question is not, do you regret your abortion or not? The question is not, do you shout your abortion or mourn your abortion? The question is whose narrative is correct? Who's right? And to determine that, we must examine the ideas of both sides and determine which one wins the day, which one holds its own in the public square and in public discourse, which one makes the most sense of human equality. You and I know the pro-life position makes the most sense of human equality. I'm not saying that because I feel that way. I'm saying that because I've examined the ideas. And I believe that the pro-life position is the only position that can make sense of human equality. Because if you believe that human equality is a thing, which every pro-choicer is going to say they believe it is a thing, then you would have to grant human value to all human beings. Because if some human beings don't have human value, then you don't have human equality. It's only by granting human value and a right to life to all human beings that you can maintain human equality. Well, all human beings would have to include unborn human beings who are biologically human. Now, I can make a longer defense of the pro-life position, but that's the question at stake. Whose narrative is correct? Let's examine the ideas. Let's make our case. And let's see whose narrative wins the day. Because someone is wrong and someone is right. There is an objective macro narrative that makes sense of reality, of human experience, and of the lives of unborn and born human beings. Well, that's what we have time for, for today. Thanks for joining me today. Head on over to iTunes, Spotify, YouTube. Give us a rating and review. Let us know what you think. Help us fight the abortion crazies who troll this podcast to drive down our ratings. And if you want to learn more and engage with me online, head on over to SethGruber.com. That's S-E-T-H-G-R-U-B is in baby boy, E-R.com to sign up for my newsletter to get pro-life training content and encouragement delivered to your inbox. My speaking schedule, if you want to come hear me speak live and local and for training videos and content. Until next week, I'm Seth Gruber, and this is Unaborted.